What did you hear that Devin Booker had a plus minus of like 37 last night? He had 48 points and 11 assists and 10 of 10 from the free throw line. And if you haven't got the message that your trading percentages are incredibly exclusive for a player of his usage rating, I'll continue conversating while the suns are escalating. One day they'll be jumping on that podium and celebrating. So the panel guys that love to analyze the suns. Yeah, the so the panel guys that love to analyze the suns. I feel like it has been weeks where, uh, you know, we took a week off and then we had a special episode where, you know, we were giving our live reaction, if you will, to the Suns falling down in the draft lottery, but it is good to finally be back potting and on YouTube as normal. Thanks so much for watching or listening to the Suns Solar Panel Podcast. You can find us individually on Twitter, Greg Esposito at Espo. Hey, is it really a week off when really you record two days after you would have recorded anyways? I don't think we really took a week off. off. Right, exactly. (laughs) Dave King at Dave King NBA. Hola. (laughs) And uh, myself, Tim Tompkins at Radio Tim NBA. So as crappy as it is for the Suns to fall down in the draft, um, not ideal for anyone, but what that does help is the sun salary cap situation. So I thought we would kind of do a little bit of a reset on sun salary cap. Um, Dave had done some research a couple weeks ago, kind of determined that the suns were going to have between seven and $9 million after some cap holds. Uh, now that that pick is farther down, it's not as good. It's not as expensive as well. And I also wanted to kind of talk about what happens if the Suns relinquish that cap hold on Rashawn Holmes because there's not a lot of signs pointing that he's going to stay. So, Dave, take it away. All righty. So I had done a salary cap article a few weeks ago for Brightside, and we also talked about it on the pod um, as well after either right before or right after I posted the article. Um, the Suns now, because they had the six pick, if they keep the six pick, let's just assume there's no real good trade partners and they end up keeping the pick. Um, what the Suns will have is $4 million more million than I thought they would because the value of a draft pick, the cost of a draft pick goes down around a little less than a million dollars per slot. So with the six pick, that will cost the Suns at the 120% value on a little under $6 million next year um, if they keep that six pick. And that gives them a little over $11 million in cap space. If you remove Rashawn Holmes' um, cap hold, that only adds another $1.6 million, puts you around twelve. So what you really, really, the Suns really need to do is not worry about Rashawn Holmes. You might as well keep that cap hold because he's worth, worth almost nothing. And what you need to do is actually look at other bigger cuts to to the cap. And now, of course, there's trades uh, and you can clear cap space. But what you have to do is you have to get another team to accept the salary you don't want anymore uh, for nothing. And so just saying we'll trade Josh Jackson into someone's cap space sounds awesome. And it's quite possible James Jones could do that. Uh, it's not that likely because even the Suns wouldn't want Josh Jackson at seven million. So, uh, and that's what his, his salary is going to be next year. It's going to be 7.06 million. So you could try to do that. Um, but the most likely way to, um, to, to create cap space is to uh, drop Kellen, or Kelly Oubre Jr. off the books. Although people want to keep bring him back. I want to bring him back. His cap hold is a little over 9 million and, um, he would probably sign for a little more than that, but you know how restricted free agency works out. People aren't always signed in restricted free agency. So he may come back. And and if you want to keep him for the just in case, then he's got that 9 million cap. Hold. Well, is he, is he the kind of guy where it, it, depending on the sequence you sign them, you can go over the cap for, so say, yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, right. they have, they have bird he's just him. being held for the, uh, let's see, what exactly is he? 9.63 million in a cap hold. Um, so a salary would not count because they would sign him last. So um, that 9.63 would be the number that puts them around 11 million right now. So, so they're the, 
you either have to find some sucker to take on Tyler Johnson in that astronomical twenty what, million contract, or you or, waive him. You can waive Tyler Johnson. Wave and stretch. With wave him. and stretch, and actually, because of his his uh, huge salary, that could create another almost thirteen million in space this year. You would just have to absorb a little over six million a year for the next three years in dead money. Or, so did, or they could they could try and negotiate something where he doesn't pick up his option, which is for nineteen million, and then sign him for like three years forty. So you know what's super interesting is is most other players have already announced or leaked or whatever that they're picking up their option for next year. Players don't have to tell a team until end of June. You don't have to say anything to your team until June 30th, whether you're going to pick up your option or not. But most players do. Tyler hasn't said anything yet. You know, if if James Jones finds a way to get Tyler Johnson not to pick up that option, I will completely 100% say nothing negative for a full episode about him or Robert Sarver, because that would be some amazing work there to get a guy who will never again sniff 20 million in a year to turn that kind of money down. That would be unbelievable. But let's recap this here just a little bit on Tyler Johnson's history. The dude had one mediocre season in the NBA at a young age. Um, a team in the Brooklyn Nets really wanted to, uh, because they had no draft pick, Sean Marks, his, his early plan was to sign restricted free agents to big offer sheets that their team won't want to match. Tyler Johnson had been a second-round pick, and so um, there was that uh, fun little uh, gamut, gambit that people were doing for a few years uh, to, to when you sign that second-round pick, you can inflate the salary by giving his third and fourth years huge numbers. And that's what people that's what the Nets did for Tyler Johnson. Then Miami inexplicably matched it, but what ended up happening is that now Tyler's making nineteen point five million, but he's really only around eleven million a year for his four year contract or something yeah. like that. So look look, I get that. He was never worth nineteen point five. He wouldn't even tell you he's worth nineteen point five. But you know what, Greg? If someone said, Look, dude, I'd rather give I'd like to give you half a million for next year. You know, scaling down to our world, right? Greg, I'd like to give you a half a million for next year. But if you opt out of that, I might give you a little bit more than you're currently making, like what you really should be earning. I might give you a little bit more than that for the next three years. Which would you take, Greg? I would I would say, uh, give me the half a million and get the hell out of my way. Thank you. Like, right. Never- and then next yeah. year, you're just as marketable. So you could get that slightly bigger contract a year from now. Well, yeah, I mean, that that's the thing that there's no there's no reason for him to walk away from that money other than he wants a long term stability and wants to be in Phoenix. He'd have to do or, or he respects James Jones that much. Uh, yeah, no, in that case. But like, it's so, money, right. So yeah. you may really love your boss. But if your boss says, you know, that half million I promised you for this coming year, Greg, that you've been waiting Four, you made last year, you, you can make it for one more year, and then you'll never make money like that again, Greg. Um, and not to not to take you down to that level, but I think 500000 is still something you wouldn't turn down if you could. No. Right. I would so, never turn well, down half a million no matter, bucks. No matter how nice I am, can I really make a case for you to go, nah, I'd rather just do my regular salary plus 20% or whatever, what I'm really worth plus 20% for the next three years and know that I'm going to make it. No, no, you take half a million and you run. No, you'd have to, the way they'd have to do it is they'd have to overpay for the next four years, just not to the exorbitant to the amounts that they, they'd be overpaying this year and still it so would then, take okay, a lot to convince that, them. What's that, like a 440 I think you'd have to be in that kind of range, but like a four four fifty, which is about twelve and a half. Yeah, a year. it'd have to be four forty or four fifty. And do you so really you, want him for that? That's the question. I mean, does, what do you think Tyler's really worth in a competitive market? Seven or eight million a year. Okay, so then, so here's so here's the trade off. Does, does should Tyler make nineteen and a half for this year, and then seven or eight million a year for? Four years after that, which is uh, what thirty? Let's say thirty million. Okay, four thir- four ten four for thirty million. Um, so that's fifty million over the next five years. 
if he just keeps his contract this year and then signs a market rate contract next year, or he could get 50, he'd have to get 40 in four years or 50 in five, 50 in four to be talked out of that, right? Because his market rate, four times four for 30 plus one year at 19.5 gives him 50 million in five years. You'd have to give him more than 50 million in five years to get him to opt out. Yeah. Well, and the question is if, do you have faith that you need that much cap space this off season or have you then just saddled yourself to a guy that you're not a hundred percent sure fits your long-term vision and at best is a backup uh, as this team grows? Like unless James Jones knows he has a legitimate seat at the table for somebody that you need that much cap space to get, I don't think it makes any sense to try to tie yourself to Tyler Johnson that long at that rate. Um, yeah, no, I totally get that. So, but then as Tyler, Tyler's what, 28 this next year, I think. So then he's got to think about, cause I'm going down this road here a little bit. Um, 50 over five is what he reasonably is his, is his opportunity cost of keeping the one year contract and going market rate. Right. So how can he otherwise make more than 50 and five or at least 50 and five got to have an incredible season. Um, but no, 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 I mean, I mean, I mean, no, no. I mean, if he's just a normal guy, he'll make 50 and five because he'll be at 19, 19.5. Right, the, the way he wouldn't would be by having an incredible season this year and then upping his value as he heads into free agency next season. Yeah. He'd have to bet on himself and hope that the Suns don't sign a point no, no, guard no. and he's the starter. No, 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 no. So if he just keeps his contract, I'm thinking down a different road. I mean, you guys are right too, but I'm thinking down a different road. If he just keeps his contract, his best bet is to keep the 19.5 outplay, you know, right? Kick ass because the Suns can't sign anybody else because right. they're the 19.5. And then he gets even more than 50. Sure, sure, sure. But if this, but he knows he's probably going to get 50 over the next five. If he just takes a contract from the Suns at four, because they can't go five years, at four for um, 40 or four, four for 45, he'll probably at least make the same money and his team can be better next year. Because at 19.5, you're also pretty much assuring that the Suns are not going to be good next year, right? Yeah. Well, Andy, Andy solidifies, he gives himself a stable future because – he could go right. with that 19.5 this year blows blow his knee. knee. Right. Yeah. What if he blows a knee and now he's really not worth a full mid-market salary next year? All right. Well, other than him, though, basically you'd have to find the J. I mean, J.R. Smith is the last guy with a big contract from the old CBA, right? So you'd have to find a way to dump like a TJ and, and some pieces there to try to get that and then cut him and save that money yeah, is that a possibility do you think cleveland wants a little bit more value for the last great releasable contract yeah uh, it depends on what they look like see this is tough for, for because jr no <laughs> i mean this is tough though who what's value in certain gm's eyes i mean getting rid of jr smith for anything serviceable uh, might be enough like tj warren uh, a, a future uh, it, draft pick. I mean, they may think, hey, this is a win just simply because we're getting pieces in this rebuild for a guy that's never going to play here. You know, like being able to to jump to dump uh, J.R. Smith without having to attach a pick to it, I think is a, is a uh, value. Well, you might be if you're probably you might be right, Tim. Uh, but there is potential value in a GM being able to create cap space for himself through a trade. And J.R. Smith is one of the last great opportunities. Yeah, but is anybody going to offer more than the Suns might be willing to? In in terms of, uh, of if T, let's say T.J.'s the the feature piece of that, I don't think anybody's offering more sure. than 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 a guy that has done what T.J. has in the league for well, J.R. Smith's dead money. I, I'm. It would be shocking if the Suns didn't at least pick up the phone and say, "We'd love to talk to you about J.R. Smith's contract." Well. Yeah, with, with uh, our but, but with he, our luck, James Jones would want to keep him though, since he's an old teammate, and then it screws things up, right? Well, you know, you release him, then you re-sign him to the minimum <laughs> or something like that, and then you get uh, Michael Beasley Jr. with, dude. <laughs> so, 
Do my wanna... greatest the, my greatest memory of J.R. Smith is when in the middle of a play in the playoffs, I believe, he just stopped playing and shook somebody's hand on the sideline. That's a very J.R. Smith thing to do. No, I remember. Didn't he? Didn't he hit a game winner against the Suns when he was playing for the Knicks? Oh yeah, no, no, I know, but I just <laughs> yeah, there's that. I mean, he was a he was a pretty good player until he wasn't. That, that is that is analysis there, people. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Uh, so we do gone. we do want to go ahead and thank a listener, and really for you watching on YouTube or listening on your phone right now to the podcast version of the sun solar panel one thing that you can do is support the show by making a uh, monthly donation if you will it's either one dollar five dollars or ten dollars if you do the ten dollar option i will personally send you some sun swag all you have to do is open up the show notes below or on youtube just look at the description there's a link in the description for you and um this week we do want to thank lewis Cicito for doing the ten dollar option so lewis thank you so very much it really does go a long way and thank we do you appreciate it. thanks You're lewis awesome. uh, i'm hoping someday i can afford to for those of you watching on youtube not sit in my car and do this it looks like i'm doing a subaru commercial right now so well you're just greg this is the epitome of mobile devices it is and this is the epitome of being the father of a two-year-old who sleeps right next to where you record sometimes <laughs> it doesn't work out no so it really it really is incredible though that you can now do a live or a video show essentially uh from your car it, you right. know what's also amazing? Since this, you need good audio, I can't have the air conditioner on in here, and it is <laughs> literally a sweat box. Uh, so. You know what, Greg? But the weather is perfect. <laughs> I I know, but I can't it's sit outside. Sweat box your own body heat, though, man. The weather's perfect. True. This is true. I just glisten on the YouTube. I almost got cold at the D-backs game last night. Uh, Almost. 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 Uh, What's great is uh, every time Greg breathes, we can hear it into the microphone. (laughs) But I can't. This is not the ideal setup. I can't text him to tell him because his phone is set up on the front of uh, the dashboard in the car. And I don't think he'd be able to see it from there. And I'm actually worried that if it vibrates, it'll fall down and then we'll get, you know, so it's a whole thing. Uh, Anyway. Production secrets of the show right now. (laughs) I I digress. So it's probably not worth a lot of discussion, but I feel like we should bring it up anyway. Look, so the NBA, for some reason, is sticking with their, we're going to announce these things in June when no one really gives a shit anymore, uh, which I think really hurts like the MVP. Like in June, no one cares about the MVP anymore. Tim, can I interrupt for a second? Yes. I just want to do one little, I want to put one little bow on the salary cap conversation. I know people have already tuned out and stuff, but um, just to put a bow on the salary cap thing, if James Jones gets a bead on a free agent that wants to come here, say for example, Kyrie Irving wants to come to Phoenix for some odd reason. Okay. The Suns really could drop the Holmes cap hold. They could drop Ubre, his tiny little 1.6, and they could wave and stretch Johnson all within their own control and create up to 36 million in cap space just from dropping those three players. So you won't have Holmes next year, you won't have Ubre next year, and you won't have Tyler Johnson next year. But you would have Kyrie Irving, or you would have a Kevin Durant, or whoever it is that's in that 30 mid-30s range of a free agent out there that wants to come to the Suns for some reason. Um, I just want to let people know that James Jones has it completely within his own power to create that cap room if he wants. Oh, great. So we can create $36 million in cap space to sign Darren Collison or Tobias Harris. Good good to know. <laughs> All right. So, so, so uh, going back to it now. Uh, so the NBA is doing their awards in June, which I can't believe they're doing two years in a row. But... The Suns do have a player that is up for one of these awards, Rookie of the Year. He is in the running with Doncic, Trey Young, and of course, our very own DeAndre Ayton. The likelihood that Ayton wins uh, Rookie of the Year. About as likely as James Jones winning Executive of the Year next year. I think that's more likely. I think that's no, no. I'd say it's about as likely as James Jones winning Executive of the Year for this past season. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. I think it's, (laughs) I think it's uh, the the old. uh, I think it was Animal House. Zero point zero is the. 
is the chance here. It's not happening. But but Greg, did you give up when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Yes, I did. <laughs> and and when I watched nobody give DeAndre Ayton any respect during the season, I highly doubt they're going to give him any respect after the season voting for an award. Uh, well, they've, they've already voted. Um, they just aren't announcing it. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, so he's probably not going to win. Pretty cool. You can watch him in June, not win on TV. So that's, uh, that's, that's um, so did they really, let me ask a question. You guys might not know the answer and I don't have time to look it up during the pod, but the players also have their own awards series. They yes, did yeah, last they year. They did last year anyway. Right. So the one you're talking about with the three finalists is the media. Yes. Awards at the basketball writers association, which by the way, um, declined to let me in when I, um, tried to get in a few years ago because they said I was just a blogger. Um, I, I like this organization. I now approve of them doing their awards in June. Since they, they literally had one of their only bloggers that they had ever allowed in. I won't give, I won't say his name because it wasn't really his fault. Um, but they had one of the very few they'd ever allowed in. And he said it was it's the toughest decision ever, but we can't let you in because you're just a blogger. And so I just said, F you guys. Um, but anyway, that organization, as wonderful as they are, um, do one set of awards, and that's who we have the finalists for. The players do their own awards. They have a little bit different titles on them, but I, I'm pretty sure they have their own Rookie of the Year or something like that version. I guess I'm curious whether the how the players would vote differently from the media. Do you know if they released those results? We'll have to keep an eye out. I, I don't think he I don't think he finishes any better with the players than he would with the media. Do you do, I, I just, would think that Trey Young would finish better with the players. That was my thought too. He might he might leapfrog Doncic with the players, but I think I think Aiton's third in, in both cases, which is I fine. Think, and I think that's totally fine. I really do. I was just curious to see if the uh, if the voting would be any different. And like you guys said, it could be just between those other two guys. And that's totally fine. Aiton Look, Aiden had a historic season for a big man. It just wasn't – it was just a year in which – I mean, the Malcolm Brogdon year, rookie of the year, guess what? I think Aiden would be rookie of yep. the year. By, by a country mile in that case, for I, sure. Last year was exactly. also just a really – so far, anyway, it was just a really good draft. I mean, there was just a oh, lot yeah. of Oh, yeah. I mean, there could, be, there could be half a dozen all-NBA players coming out of that draft alone in the top 10, mm-hmm. let alone anybody who develops outside that top 10 into something they nobody thought they would be. Also, at the end of the day, uh, rookie of the year doesn't mean anything. What we really what matters is whether or not he turns into a cornerstone piece for the franchise. Yeah, give me perennial all star. That's what I care about. I uh, no, all whatever NBA. all NBA. I don't care about all star. All NBA. Well, let's, Fine. All yeah, NBA. yeah. Let's let's talk about just for a second. Um, uh, how do I want to put this? Because I'm just formulating it as I'm talking. But let's talk about DeAndre Ayton's potential here. Now, I know he's got all the skills. He has the fat. He has quick feet. He can do anything he wants to. If he had, if he had like Draymond Green's mentality, he'd be pretty awesome defensively because he's got the feet for it. He's got the length. He's got the. He's got the the twitch. You know, he's got the ability to move quickly and stay in front of people. We've seen him on on some of those plays defensively where he locked in. He can guard the perimeter if he really wanted to. What's going to hold DeAndre Ayton back is his belief that he can do that, his own belief, his own maturity level, which he may never get, right? Um, But he does have the ability to be one of the best players in the game. What's always going to hold him back is whether he believes that and knows what it will take to get there because the dude is really just going through life, enjoying things right now. And at some point, if he ever turns serious, it could be incredible. But even if he never does, he'll still be a Carl Anthony Towns type. Where he's, I mean, and that is no small feat because that's still all-star level. Um, it's just not playoff changing level, right? Carl um, Anthony Towns is not a playoff changer necessarily right now, but he is an all-star. I think Aiton gets there even with his current mentality just from natural growth. But I'm not sure that he ever becomes one of the very best in the game unless he totally grows up one year and, and we all go, wow, what happened to him? I think it depends on if Monty Williams can connect with him on a personal level. I think if Monty Williams can actually gain his respect and, and and truly gain his ear, he's probably a guy that can help him mature because he's a very seems to be a very serious, very 
caring kind of figure that could that could change his perspective but it it all depends on can he truly connect with DeAndre Ayton and and to a lesser extent can he truly connect with Devin Booker uh, I think it, without that major respect I don't think it, it changes DeAndre Ayton he may he may become a better fundamental basketball player but the mentality doesn't change unless somebody truly connects with him and gets him to buy into that mentality it is going to take it's going to take something like that. Someone's going to have to help him turn it. He's going to have to turn his own corner personally, you know, right? You can't just channel other people. You just have to be your own. But someone's going to have to connect with him to find that in himself. But um, I still think he can be all NBA, even if he never does that. It's just I'm thinking beyond that to playoff changing. Like there are guys in the in the league who can make a difference in the playoffs, and there are guys in the league who need other people to make that difference. Yeah, it's the leap from good to great. And what is it going to take for him to make oh, that? Even that very good to great. Like, I think yeah. he'll just be very good just naturally, even if he's still goofy as hell. Well, I, like, I really loved when he when he took that kid to the uh, draft lottery, right? The video of him having fun with that kid. He said, that was one of my best days ever, just hanging out with six and eight-year-olds. And yeah. good for him. You know, he enjoys life. I appreciate that in a person that can just enjoy where they are. They're present in the moment. The thing is that he's got to get more focused on the, on the future and what's to come rather than just living in the present. Yeah. Well, and I don't want to snuff that out of him. Like Shaq found a good balance of being able to be that guy. When but Shaq also came in like a bulldozer too. Well, that's true. But that was, I think part of that was, pure brute strength that nobody else could quite contend with that, that Shaq had the advantage of, but yeah, let's not kill, let's not kill Deandre Ayton's joy and, in, in, in hopes of building right. if you a can, great right. player. If you but... can have some balance between Dwight Howard and Shaq. <laughs> that'd be good. Yes. Exactly. Shaq was still a goofball as hell. Remember that, you know, this story as well as I do, where he used to tackle, uh, who was it in the locker room? Uh, I think Lou was Amundsen was one of, no, one of the trainer guys. Oh, Mike Elliott. Yeah, Cal Mike Elliott. Yeah. Jack used to fully disrobe coming out of the shower. He would literally just go and tackle Mike Elliott. <laughs> oh, he, used, he used to torture Lou Amundsen. He he stole his uh, stole his bike and would hide it all the way because Lou Amundsen used to ride his bike to, That's to right. the arena. Yeah. And Shaq used to torture him by stealing it and hiding it all over the building. Like <laughs> like he certainly had a had a kid's. Uh, a heart and and you want DeAndre Ayton to keep that, but also find that bulldog mentality when he steps between the lines. Yes. Uh, so as we head into this off season, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about um, uh, free agency and trades, and there's going to be a lot of terminology. So I do just want to touch on something really quick, so everyone listening is on the same page so right now the suns have bird rights on rashawn holmes troy daniels and kelly Oubre. but really what i want to touch on is uh what a bird right is in essence it's the larry bird exception that allows teams to exceed the salary cap to re-sign their own free agents meaning that if the suns wanted to go over the salary cap in order to keep those free agents that they would have the ability to do so which could uh in theory uh give them an advantage over other teams that don't have bird rights on that player, meaning that they could essentially offer that player more money than possibly some other teams. Unfortunately with the Suns right now, they aren't really at that point in the franchise when that's something that could be incredibly useful, but the Suns um, actually it is the bird rights yeah. because you know, you know um, the Suns have a ton of guys on rookie contracts, but those happen to be guys who were, who were high draft picks. And it's surprising. I just, we just talked about this earlier in the, in the pod right now, if the Suns don't do anything, they only have 11 million, which is barely over the mid level, to spend on other teams' free agents. You can the Suns cannot exceed 11 million in a starting salary for any one player, or a total of all players they want to sign from other teams exceeding 11 million. However, um, they can they can do that first and then re-sign these other guys you said you talked about with with the Suns having bird rights right. on yep. and exceed the salary cap. For their own players so it actually does actually surprisingly sadly 
matter to a 19 win team that they have bird rights. Yeah, if they're willing to go over the um, the cap to do it. I think Sarver has never had a problem going over the cap. His problem has been going over the luxury tax, which is about $15, $16 million higher than that, I think. Well, I just, it's in the 90s. Here's yeah. the thing, though, is that, you know, and I, I don't know Robert Sarver personally. I would just think that you wouldn't want to go over the cap for a team that won 19 games. Depends if you're trying to keep a core together that you believe in for the future and who you're adding. I mean, if you're adding... Guys that are going to make you a 22 win team on top of that, like no, like no. If you're adding a, a, a guys that help you make that leap into the 30s, you know, maybe you consider it so you can continue to build on it the following off season. It depends on do you have a legitimate plan? Are you executing on that, and who are you adding? But you guys are talking really logical, big picture. Robert Sarver is much more of a knee jerk guy. On July one. On July 1, if James Jones comes to him with a with a proposal that we can do this, that, and the other thing, and you'll and Robert, you'll end up 15 million over the cap, but we'll have this team that we think can make uh, can compete for the playoffs next year. Robert will do it. Oh, I don't, I don't disagree with that. Uh, the, <laughs> then the question will become, how realistic was the bill of goods that he was sold? Can that team actually compete? And that's always been Robert's problem is he cannot tell how realistically, how realistic that bill of goods was a few years ago. It was Tyson. If we just sign up Tyson Chandler and LaMarcus Aldridge, we're back in the game, Robert. And then, you know, it's, 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 he's Ryan McDonough did that to him a lot. And guys before that did that to him. And, and, and Robert did it to himself the summer of 2010. He talked himself into something he, he's willing to spend the money and exceed the cap where he really started choking was early in his career when he was told to spend the luxury tax on a guy like Kurt Thomas. And then I don't know if he would do that again. He might still do that again, forces GM to trade the, the, you know, a, a second string center so he could get under the luxury tax that could happen again. That's where he starts choking is when he has to pay his peers, some of his own money, his peer owners, some of his own money. He's never had a problem exceeding the salary cap um, as long as he's the one spending his own money on his own team. I thought it was kind of interesting. So there's been some Kyrie Irving talk, uh, chatter, if you will, over the last week or so. And I was reading a report, and I do want to actually quote. This is from the uh, Boston Herald. I thought this was interesting uh, regarding Kyrie Irving. <clears throat> and here it is. The most interesting bit of information from several sources that we've been able to consolidate and confirm is that some teams thought to have interest in Irving as a free agent are now a great deal more wary. Based on the way things played out with the Celtics, uh, the season and Irving's role both off the court all year and on its uh, during playoffs, uh, the playoff loss in Milwaukee, certain clubs are concerned about putting too many eggs in his basket right away. Two teams for certain are telling people they will only go after Irving if they land another marquee free agent and that player says he wants to play with Irving. So that could open an opportunity here for the Suns to, to make a move there. My biggest question is, if he believes the earth is flat, does he believe the sun is flat? And how does that play into, into all this? Because that disc out there, <laughs> yeah, do, do you, do you have to change all your animations in the, in the starting lineup graphic where you show a round sun? If you Kyrie Irving, those are the kind of questions that come up. And, well, me. and really, to be honest, um, you know, Arizona's pretty flat. This is true, except for the fact that we're in a, uh, what Ron Wolfley would call a basin and there's mountains surrounding all of us. Those are uh, the truth. Are. The actual truth is that we're earth is round. And the actual truth is Arizona is about the only state. I think it's the only state in the country that has all seven like climate zones or something like that, because yes, a third of the state is almost a mile high in elevation, but that's just the truth. The, the, the common thought is that Arizona is flat and only desert. And uh, the common so that might totally jive with Kyrie's um, uh, state of being. I just, can you, uh, on a serious note, can you really convince Kyrie Irving that his best situation is to come to Phoenix and, and put himself uh, in this? Because at this what moment, if, at this moment, we don't know how effective James Jones and Monty Williams will be in a room with these guys. I, I understand they that. They all love these two guys. I understand that, but the perception of this, right? He just came from a Boston situation where, I mean, unless he, 
unless he does not care about the expectations and would like less pressure, I don't see Phoenix being an option because he's in Cleveland, championship expectation. Went to Boston, championship expectation and but, level but of talent. If he leaves both of those, that's clearly not his goal. Yeah. I, I mean, mean no, maybe. he wants a championship, but he does he didn't like all the pressure. And no, I don't think he would make a decision to come into Phoenix. Well, I only have to win 35 games. So I'm good. What he's going to do if he does pick Phoenix, what he would be thinking is, I can be the guy that no one's going to say I'm not good enough for. And I like Devin Booker. I like Monty Williams. I like um, James Jones. I think this has a good future. And I can be the guy and I can be myself because there's no other stars and there's no other pressure. Like with Boston, it's the collective. You're not allowed to be a solo star. In Cleveland, it was the LeBron. You're not allowed to be a solo star. In Phoenix, your only competition is 22-year-old Devin Booker and 20-year-old DeAndre Ayton. They're not going to try to dominate you. They are going to completely defer to Kyrie Irving. And that may be attractive to him. Yeah, and in Boston, he had the historical pressure, which you wouldn't have here in, in, in Phoenix. But I guess the question then becomes, okay, if there's a possibility Kyrie Irving wants Phoenix, should Phoenix want Kyrie Irving? Like, should the Suns actually legitimately want Kyrie Irving? I, I was I was wrong two years ago because I said no on trading the potential of Josh Jackson for the reality of Kyrie Irving, and I was dead wrong. Yes, you get Kyrie Irving. Yes, you pay him um, for for to, for his he's going to have people ooing and aahing every game because of his handles because of his ability to do things that nobody else has done in Phoenix um, in different ways than than since Steve Nash. I mean, there's only so much ooing and aahing that DeAndre Aiden and Devin Booker generate. Kyrie Irving is going to sell tickets. Kyrie Irving, even when he get as he gets older and he's still mid career, like the dude has five good years left. Um, is he going to, who cares if he is the difference on a championship, you know, he can hit the game winning shot in a championship game. We know that for sure. Um, and so I, I really think Kyrie Irving is somebody you should be spending your max money on in Phoenix. Oh, I mean, and beggars can't be choosers, right? If you've got somebody that has star power, I, I think you certainly have to pony up and, and bring him in here sure. I, if, I, if, if kevin durant wants to sign with the Suns, you say sorry kyrie we're going with kevin yeah well and <laughs> to back back to yeah in a heartbeat or if, if you can trade for anthony <laughs> davis here wants to come to the Suns, you say sorry demarcus we're going with kyrie <laughs> you say demarcus will give you the five million that, that do, do, uh, <laughs> hey how Warriors. about this demarcus cousins wants to sign with the Suns. do you say sorry uh deandre ayton you're now coming off the bench no no no, you 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 make a stupid attempt to play them next to each other. Oh, good twin towers. That's that's what they should. Uh, that's what to, would happen. Back back on the Kyrie, you you brought up the the potential to trade for him a few years ago. The premise, I don't think anybody was wrong in. It was the player that was drafted that was the the wrong portion of that equation. If you drafted right. De'Aaron Fox, or if the Celtics had taken Josh Jackson, you get Jason Tatum. It's still the right play. It was the player, the individual player that was selected that was the wrong part of that equation. Which is what you were doing. You were rolling the dice on the on the future in in uh, you know and giving up on the present. And right now I think the Suns are at the point where they need to start signing for present and not future. Agreed. Because if you had traded for Kyrie Irving at that point, there's no DeAndre Ayton because you don't wind up with the worst record in the league and getting the number one pick that year. So but you there would have been consequences really there. Difference maker, Greg. So maybe you still get DeAndre. He, he would have been enough to keep them out of being the worst record. So that it would have been enough to change. It's the butterfly wings yeah, flapping. Yeah. I know. Thing, you know? The butterfly flapping. Yes. Yeah. So I kind of want to spend a, a, the end of the episode sort of talking about this. So we're, you know, we're going to be talking about a lot about free agent position by position um, maybe something that's less important, but I still do feel like has a lot of value with this team, especially there aren't a lot of indications Rashawn Holmes is coming back. There's not a lot of indications he's not coming back, but really he's not. I haven't seen any pictures of him <laughs> hanging out with players. I don't recall an exit interview saying uh, how he really anticipates coming back. Nothing. Maybe Dave can point to this nope. a little bit better than I can. Uh, I, I would I would support your statements. Right. 
so the Suns need a backup center. Uh, what type of backup center would be best for this team and for DeAndre Ayton? Aaron Baines. No, no, no. What type? Not not a name. A type. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> someone. Sorry. So type profile would be someone who is not afraid to be physical, someone who will bang, um, who will do the dirty work, and also um, has some athleticism. So it's not like DeAndre goes, yeah, but that's not me. You know, it's so it's got to be someone who DeAndre can relate to that can help him with his physicality. I, I agree. And Andrew, uh, an Aaron Baines type would be the type that I think. I mean, he may not be as athletic. And I, actually, DeAndre might not relate at all to Aaron Baines. And that may be, that may make the Suns better, but not DeAndre better. So if Tim, was your question, what what kind of profile is best for DeAndre or what kind of profile is best for the Suns? Well, I mean, uh, the, you could separate those. You could put them together. And, you know, it's really. Well, I, I just don't think Aaron Baines advances DeAndre Ayton's career but I think he'd be a great counterpart for the Suns in that center position. Okay. Um, in my opinion, I think the Suns should go after a uh, veteran type big that can still play. So not not a Tyson Chandler's unrestricted. Not not a Tyson Chandler. All right. So <laughs> then, then my follow up question is: How much should or will the Suns be willing to spend on let's just call it one year? Uh, of a backup center? Not much. I, I I don't think that's where your money should be invested. Right. So what? So, five, right. so Tim, you tweeted this morning a list of all these guys, yeah, and I'll, right? And I'll, and I'll get to that. I don't, I don't want to go through that yet because this is going to dictate who on this list we even talk about. Well, um, no, no. I just uh, The point I was going to make is your, your question was how much should the Suns spend on a on a rotational value backup center, yes. and I would say league minimum, because yes. so many centers are out there and available. Okay, so three million dollars is that around what you think the Suns will or should be spending for their backup? Center? Yeah, no more than that. Okay, so then let's talk about some of the unrestricted, and I'm going to leave out players that have player options or team options. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me clarify what I mean. I don't mean three million in competitive salary money eating out somebody else. I mean literally league minimum where you can exceed the salary cap because league minimum contracts um, allow you to go over the cap. So the Suns will have already spent their free agent money. This would not be money that would eat into their sign another player money. Um, depending on how many years you've been in the league, that could be a million a year. That could be 3 million a year. Okay. So that's what I mean when, when, when you ask 3 million, only if that's the minimum for that player's experience level. I want taco fall. That's what I want. That is seven, six rookie guy. Give me him as a backup. So that's going to take, that's going to take out some options such as like Vucevic, for example, uh, uh, DeMarcus cousins, right? Like it takes out though, Deandre uh, Jordan, who's also a free agent that takes out some of those options. And his canter probably even takes out Dwayne Devin. Yeah, probably exactly. So, the players that you could realistically get for that, I'll go through a few of these and kind of ask you guys what you think. Are they actual options for the Suns and what direction would you see them going? Because the Suns do need a, a backup center and it, it cannot be Dragon Bender solely. All right. Uh, Andrew Bogut. Uh, no, he hates. I, I never liked Andrew Bogut. So I'm just going to say no on a personal level. I I can't imagine he likes Phoenix too much either because wasn't it Amari that broke his uh, his arm or leg? Whatever yeah, was that was a complete mistake. But <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't really like the NBA. I think he only comes back for the Warriors or nobody. Okay, uh, Pau Gasol. Yeah, he'd be interesting. I don't know that he's gonna. I, I don't know that that's that he's gonna want to come in and play that. I'm here just to be a, yeah, a Chandler. not, not for 3 million. All right, let's go. Uh, Amir Johnson. Sure. Yeah. If you can convince him to sign for that you, veteran minimum, roughly uh, Rishon Holmes, which is who the reason the Sixers got rid of Rishon Holmes is because they had Amir Johnson already. And who has not been playable. Correct. Right. Uh, they chose poorly, right. <laughs> but that was the reason they chose that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Costa Kufis. Sure. Absolutely. He's a big guy. He can rebound. 
Um, he would be unobtrusive. He would not be threatening Aiton for a starting position, and he might be available for the minimum. It breaks my rule of no player that rhymes with doofus, so no. <laughs> uh, Robin Lopez. <laughs> you know what? I would actually love to see Robin Lopez back in Phoenix. I would love he... to see Robin Lopez asked on camera if he would re-sign in Phoenix. That's what yeah. I would love. So, so probably not. Then he's out. But, but let me say, let me say why I, I, I would consider it because he's the kind of guy that has very much the DeAndre Ayton joy of life, but has that edge when he's yeah. on the court, and that's oh, why I, I would love to you. see it. I agree with you, but I would love to see him actually asked if he would ever sign with the Suns oh, again. Yeah, yeah he no, would, he would. For some we, uh, things we don't know about. Maybe Greg, you do, but he was um, outsized angry at the Suns. I thought for how things went. Yeah, uh, I I agree. I don't know the full story, but yeah, I mean, I highly doubt he ever would make a return return to Phoenix. But maybe he's maybe he's matured. Maybe he's more confident in himself as well. And and that pressure of being a a high draft pick wouldn't be there anymore. So maybe he would consider. He kind of so gets me as his a brother as a is ring this chaser year. right now at this point in his career. Sorry, Tim. Uh, he he kind of strikes me as a ring chaser at this point in his career. Sure. Um, I mean, he's never been, but he should be at this point. You're right. Um, he's a he could he could have done he could have done well, Robin Lopez, if he was available. He could have done well for the Lakers. He's he's not the type of guy that would chase rings. He's the type of guy that wants somewhere that he he can be comfortable and be himself. That's what I I know of, of Robin Lopez. Didn't he make a comment earlier this season about wanting to be traded to uh, the Warriors? I I don't remember you know, that. I think but... I do remember that yeah. Yep. Okay, uh, Boban. Wait wait wait. Um, his brother Brooke. He's not. So you said three million. How much is Brooke making this year? I, well, Brooke's not going to the Suns for a minimum deal. I mean, <laughs> I understand. Brooke did sign for three million dollars late July. He, he did. Uh, I I don't think that that's what he's going to do again. No, no. But I, I but I guess what I'm saying is is that's why I think some of these guys will sign for league minimum right. for the right situation for themselves. Yes. Uh, the Suns because aren't the, enough money out the right situation for a lot of these guys, though, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, very it's, true. It's just a backup center to a, a, a you know a team that's not very good um, with a number one option. In. Are you suggesting the Bucks are a better situation than the Suns, Tim? <laughs> oh, I don't want to be here. Uh, okay, how about Boban? I would love that. I would love that. I've heard he has the best personality of just about anybody, and and he's in John Wick three. He is. Oh, now, yes, now he, I'm he's in. He's one of the guys that John Wick kills. I'm pretty sure. Bring, bring in Boban if he if he got a John Wick tie. I want you here. Plus, have you guys you seen? Give... Have you guys seen any of the like uh, just little things about Boban? He's like an incredible dancer. Apparently, yep. he's a crackpot. Like he joke. Like I mean, joke cracker. Constantly, he's got a great sense of humor. He just looks like you know. Um, like he's not going to be that funny or smart or personality wise, but I, I've heard he's incredible. Well, and if you get him, that probably means you got Tobias Harris yep. to play power forward as well, because they're best friends. <laughs> Those guys love each other. <laughs> uh, JaVale McGee. No, thanks. No. Okay. Thank uh, Greg Monroe. No. <laughs> been there, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. I'm all right. Thank you. Mike Mascala. I don't know enough about him, but um, why not? He's probably the the perfect mm. example of a guy who would sign with the Suns. I think he's a perfect example of a guy that gets five, six million. I think he's a perfect example of a guy you think should get that, will still sign minimum, and wants to go somewhere he can get some, possibly get some minutes. So not the Suns. Um, Joakim Noah. No, he would get minutes on the Suns if he's a if he's a pass. Yeah. If you think he's worth five, six million on the market, then why would he not be perfect for the Suns for the fifteen minutes or so that DeAndre Ayton sits? Uh, fair. Uh, Joakim Noah. No. Uh, God, if you Tyson sign, Chandler. if you sign a guy with a man bun, come on, come on, well, he's guys. Just, he's just Tyson Chandler or <laughs> Trevor Reed, but, uh, but actually even worse. Zaza Pachuli. I never liked him that much personally, but he'd be a great. Who's, he'd be probably Pachulli. somebody they would want to sign. 
Who's Zaza Pachuli? I know Zaza, Zaza Pachuli. <laughs> I was hoping you guys weren't going to say anything. Is it, is it Pachuli some kind of like <laughs> reference to pot or something? What is Tim doing over there? I think that's, a, that's an appetizer at like True Food or here's, something. Here's like the that. thing. I, oh, I'll take a plate of the Pachuli. Please. The, pasta, <laughs> the pasta for Pachuli, please. Pachuli. Look, there's, there's, there's a chance I'm a bit hungover this morning. I went out for uh, happy hour drinks with my coworkers last night, and it ended up going into the – into into the late evening. Into the wee hours. Well, well, so, I was home. Well, by, that's interesting because I was wondering why this is the first time I've ever heard you mispronounce a name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of my hearts. Uh, that Dan Majural is the best I've ever seen play play small forward for the Suns. Dan Majural. All right, so kind of recapping this. Uh, <laughs> Wait, did you go through the whole list? Uh, no. Okay. I mean, pretty much, yeah. Like, they aren't going to get uh, Vucevic. Uh, there's not a lot of other great options. Eki Udo. Okay, Udo. Who? Why not? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Give me, give me Boban. You guys have got me far too excited about having a guy that was in John Wick. still uh, getting Boban. I think that's the main reason he got that big contract when Detroit signed him, because probably Stan loved talking to him on the phone or something like that. <laughs> so we, we talked, and after... Uh, the consensus list we came to was Boban's an option, uh, possibly Mike Mascala. Listen to the excitement, uh, Phoenix Suns basketball. <laughs> oh man! And it's oh, a Chris great. Humphrey. It is a. Oh, it's Isaac. I thought Chris Humphreys was on this list, but it's somebody else. It's a great, great uh, free agent center class coming up. But the Suns don't need any of them. Right. Because they they don't need any of them. They do need somebody. You know, so potentially, yeah, they'll get somebody. They'll get some dude. Like, you know what? I'll bring us, I'll dial us all the way back to August. How many people were excited about Rashawn Holmes? Not much. I think Tim was. I think Tim had, yeah, I think I, if I remember correctly, Tim had an uh, awkward fascination with Rashawn Holmes. If I, well, if he I'm was right calling because Rashawn was great. Yeah. Uh, taking a step, you didn't mention him. There's like half a dozen guys on this list that were backup centers for the Suns. <laughs> <laughs> great. I can't wait to replay some of that. Look, didn't. Okay, so Detroit, Boban, Tobias Harris. Was that Jeff Bauer in Detroit? So do you, uh, do you wind up having a beat on those guys? I'm trying to you know remember. What? It probably was Bauer, but Stan was the guy really in charge. Bauer was just the the dude in the office. But but there that means there's at least oh. a connection, and we've seen that connection I probably would, played a big part in the Monty Williams hiring. So my all my energy would would skyrocket if they signed Boban just just for the chance of interviewing him. I would love. I it. if we I, I, seriously that would be the highlight of my off season. Then we'd have to get him on the show simply to talk about uh, talk about dancing and being in John Wick three. Like that would that would be the ultimate. So then, given the realistic options does that make uh rashawn holmes an even more realistic option for what they decide to do with this cap space well that's what i was going to wrap up with so what i think is because this list has what about 30 centers on it uh yeah about and uh, i know at least half of these guys are going to sign for the league minimum at least if not if not three-fourths of these guys because the league is not Certainly, we already talk about how the league is not geared towards centers anymore, uh, even though there are probably of the top 10 players in the league, um, several of them are centers. Um, but it's not geared toward backup centers. And so I really don't think many of these guys are going to get above minimum. It just is what it is. Uh, so with that said, it's very possible that Rashawn Holmes will not get any offers out there. And if he, if there, and that we know that there are no bridges burned in Phoenix. So he may come back mm-hmm. um, on, on nothing more than what he made last year kind of deal. So, and the Suns, whether or not they keep his bird rights or not is immaterial because he's his minimum next year would be higher than, I'm pretty sure, almost the same exact value as his uh, bird rights are. 
So you and and you can exceed the cap on minimum deals. So I think there's no value in actually keeping his cap hold, um, and you can still sign him. The interesting thing too is we're probably. I mean, my guess is we're basing a lot of this off of his comments that he's got to get back to shooting threes and doing that with a change in coach. There's nothing to say that that isn't something that would be necessary here in Phoenix. The scheme well, may dictate that. So. Let's be a little bit fair. I mean, he had one of his, he had possibly his most impactful season and he played exactly the role that Igor wanted him to. Igor did put people in positions to succeed. It may not have, he didn't pull all the shackles off of people like prior coaches did. So just because Rishon Holmes wants to take threes doesn't mean he was a better player if he had taken threes. No, but it's terrifying to think that uh, Igor put players in the best position to succeed, and this talent got you 19 wins. In that no, game. no, he wasn't. Uh, Igor wasn't a great game coach, and he certainly didn't have a roster that could that could succeed. But you have to admit that most of the players individually um, did the right things, and and you weren't scratching your head on what players were doing on the court, except for Josh Jackson. Look, they started three rookies, and the starting point guard was not just a rookie, but he was a second round. Rookie. Who had never been a point guard more than a year in his life. Right. None of those guys had played real point guard their what entire was this, life. What was this team supposed to win? I mean, I we, get, we were optimistic. I get the reality. But... It was called a joke, gentlemen. I understand that he didn't have oh, talent. He... <laughs> The point, yes, he put Rashawn Holmes in a in a position to succeed. My my point was simply Rashawn's mindset. Maybe uh, maybe hey, I'll try Phoenix again because there's a new coach and maybe I'll get to sure. showcase some of that as well. It wouldn't be there's not the baggage of if he didn't like the way Igor played him. That's no longer an issue here. And to Dave's point, it might come down with Rashawn Holmes to whether or not he gets an offer. And given how many centers, there's actually 38 on the list. Uh, a, few 38, them, a few of them are restricted. But um, how many, whether or not he gets an offer from another team, right? I'd be surprised if more than, I'll go 10 and that's high. I'd be very surprised if more than 10 of those guys get more than league minimum next year. Uh, and so a couple of them are, you know, like Tyson Chandler might retire. There's some guys on there that don't uh, might not get another. So that helps my cause. You know. uh, <laughs> so cool. All right. Well, fun episode, guys. Always nice to pod with you and uh, be on YouTube with you. And next week we are actually going to talk about the draft. Right on. S sweet. Bobon forever. There's your pod name.
that seem to shine in